today is an unusual day. We have a speaker that might drop in, and if he does, I'm going to have him come and say a few words to you because he's someone that actually went to a meeting that Easy used to have for 16 years. For 16 years, we were, we were in ministry before we were in ministry. And I've told some people that sometimes I used to teach three and four Bible studies a week. I spoke a lot more before we were in ministry than I do now. And Easy used to minister every weekend. He actually spoke a lot more when we didn't have a church to run. And so one of the things that he did was have a meeting for businessmen called Love You Houston. It was at lunchtime at noontime. And men from all over the city would come. And at one point uh, between 1981 and 1996, there were three locations that he would have these meetings. And hundreds of men came. Ministers came. Businessmen came. People looking for work came. People in all walks of life came. And it really networked across the city. And so we had all kind of people coming. And what's funny is uh, we have a follow-up doctor appointment at the the oncologist, you know, and the oncologist knows that Izzy's had a, a miracle, and he's, you know, not quite sure what he thinks about that. But one thing that he's excited about all the time when we walk in is that Izzy knew Evander Holyfield. Like, he's more excited about the fact that Izzy knew Evander Holyfield than he is about the fact that Izzy got healed. And I don't really understand that, but, you know, you just take the door that God gives you. And so we were going to go this week, so I decided I'm going to pull out some of the pictures of Evander Holyfield from the Love You Houston meetings. And so I pulled out one, and I don't think you can see up, you know, that far away, but there's one with Easy in the old days. He's in his probably 40s or maybe 50s back then, and um, that's him and Evander. But then I came across one, and this is actually Mary Scantlin with Evander Holyfield. Mary, wave your hand on that second row. And so I sent it nicely to Mary and Frank. And um, one to Frank and one to Mary. Little did I know Frank was going to post it on Facebook. Mary's not happy about it. But I think their marriage is okay. How long have y'all been married? 64 years. I think they're secure. They're all right. They're going to be fine. And so he posted it. And what he said was, young Mary Scantlin with Evander Holyfield. And I'm like, those are dangerous words, Frank. Dangerous, young Mary Scantlin. But, you know, you're as young as you feel because we were at a funeral this week. And I was talking, it was like a family reunion. It was, uh, you know, one of my uncles that's, that's up in age, he's 93 years old. He received the Lord just months before he passed away. Thank you, Jesus. He's in heaven. Uh, his whole family is saved, but he had not yet accepted, so he's in heaven. And so it, there's all these relatives there. You know, we're from an Italian family, so there's a lot of people. So we're talking, and one of my cousins that I haven't seen in years, that's a couple years older than me, came up and started talking and engaged me in conversation. And I was talking to him for a while. And so when I walked away, I went back over to Easy. He goes, that guy you were talking to, that's one of your cousins, that older gentleman. I go, older gentleman? I go, he's 73, Easy. You're 90. And so you are as young as you feel. And so I was talking to an older gentleman. And so... <laughs> So I'm going to just share something really quick, and I'm going to have Howard Partridge come up here. I met Howard. I, did you come to Love Houston first, or did I call you about my house first? I don't know. You can figure it out. But um, Howard used to go to the Love You Houston meetings. He was young. He was really young. Okay, he was really young, probably in his late 20s. He got saved in 1987. He had a three-year-old business. Now he's a speaker for Zig Ziglar. He's in Zig Ziglar's book. Didn't you write one of the chapters of one of his books? And he encourages businessmen everywhere. And so he's going to encourage us a little bit. But I want to share a little part of the sermon that I was going to give you. This all changed this morning. We're just going to mix things up. Those of you who follow this type of thing, some of my friends that teach on this a lot have been teaching for months, months, that um, this weekend is the beginning of the Hebrew or biblical year 5784, right? 
5784. And so they break down the numbers and tell you what it means, but I'm just going to go short form. And, you know, we sang this morning, his presence is an open door. And so the prophetic types that are teaching on this say that this is the year of the open door, that we are at a threshold and old things are passed away and new things are beginning. And so Nate Johnson said, we are at a pivotal threshold of time right now. We are at the threshold, the doorway, the opening to a new era, and the ending of a season of time. And sometimes you got to know what to slough off and what to walk forward to. But sometimes we say, don't pray for opportunity. Pray you'll be ready when opportunity comes. Pray you'll be ready when opportunity comes so you'll know what to do when God brings you that opportunity. Nate says, we're about to enter into a season of unparalleled promise and fulfillment. We've been believing for revival. We tread in it. We walk in it. We feel the rains of revival. We feel the water level getting higher. But I'm telling you, there's a deluge coming, and we are ready for that. Nate says, we're about to enter into a season of never seen before recompense, restoration, and a resurrection of everything that was lost. The season of the open door. I was going to teach, but I'm going to go to the very end of what I was going to teach. There's a scripture in Exodus 21. Exodus 21, verse 5 and 6. I, was gonna, I know that some of y'all are in the Thursday Bible study. You've got to have a lot of questions. It's okay to ask questions. When I got my first Bible, I was 24. I had never read a Bible before when I was 24 years old. From an Italian family, when I saw the book of Malachi, I thought it was Malachi. I mean, it just seemed reasonable to me. That's, that's how you would pronounce it. And so it's okay to ask questions and say, I don't know what that means. What is this? Uh, you know, I, I was talking to Alicia, and I said, there's a lot of Bible words that are not familiar words. When I've spoken in other countries, you can't just have a translator of the language. You have to have a translator that knows the Bible because the words in the Bible are sometimes words that are not used in everyday common life. And so we were talking about something, and I said, do they even know what yoke means? And so I know she asked some of y'all, and everybody thought it was a yellow of an egg, and then she had to explain, but Easy one time explained it to me what that meant, because it was that instrument that you would put over oxen, you know, to carry the heavy load, and two would go together. And so here's a scripture that might have an unfamiliar word to you, and I called Alicia last night, and I said, do you know this word? And she is a Bible college graduate, and my assistant, and has a, what, a something in pastoral ministry, practical ministry. And she goes, no, I don't know what it means. So it's okay to not know something as long as you find out. So you might need to read your Bible with a dictionary. If a servant plainly says, I love my master, and it's time for him to go out and be free, but he says, I will not go free, then his master will bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master will pierce his ear with an awl, A-W-L, and he shall serve him forever. Who knows what an awl is in the room? A couple of people, some, oh, more than I thought. It looks like an ice pick. It's a, it's a tool. It looks like an ice pick. And he says, you take that servant to the door with an awl, pierce his ear. And so it's full of meaning. So you might have this obscure scripture that you're just going to trip over because it seems like, what is that? And you just don't know what it means and you move away. But the awl is the sharp pointed tool for piercing holes. It's saying, God, I'm not my own. I'm bought with the price. I'm going to let you own me. And how many of us as Christians say, I'm not my own. I'm bought with the price, but we live like we're our own. And so we need to go ahead and, and do what we say. And this is a picture of the Christian life right here in this obscure scripture in Exodus 21. Second, I must be pierced. 
Somewhere, I've got to get cut. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. When you make a graft, you have to make a cut. And some things need to come out, and some things need to go in. And so there's somewhere that God has to pierce your heart. You can have five people sitting on the row, and, and somebody is preaching a strong message, and three people are on their knees, and the Lord has ministered to them, and two are like, huh? And so somewhere, there's got to be an opening so that you can receive what God is saying, and he can also get out of you what needs to come out. Number three, the word is also like a sword. It divides asunder, and it cuts. And so when God cuts, he doesn't cut you to harm you, and he will heal every wound you have. But there is a place that God needs to get on the inside of you, and his word can become flesh. Now, the ear is nailed, notice, to a door. Your ear is nailed to a door. You can hear what's being said. You can hear what's being said inside. We need to live by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth because faith comes by hearing. And so our ear is important. And the voice that we listen to the most, the voice that we hear in our head the most, is the voice that shames us, shapes us, informs us, and molds us. And so if Satan has spoken a lie to you, and that lie resounds and resounds and resounds in your head, that's going to affect you. That's going to affect you. That's going to diminish you. He's going to try to destroy you. He's going to try to steal from you. And so if you don't stop it, that voice in your head will convince you that it's true. John 10, 7, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. We're going to nail ourselves to Jesus. We're going to get so close to him that we can't get away from him. And we're going to say, I could be on my own. I could be free. I could go walk my own way. But I'm going to stay close to you. And so he says, I am the door. If any man enters by me, he will be saved. He will come in and he will go out and he will find good pasture. This scripture is actually referring to an ancient shepherding custom because the ancient shepherds in Israel, there wasn't a sheep pen necessarily out in the fields where they would go with, with all their sheep. And so they would need a place for the sheep to be safe at night. And so the sheep pen was often in the countryside, and it was comprised really of a rough circle of rocks. And so there would be a mountain, and they would just get a rough circle of rocks and, and pile them up all around and make an enclosure. And there was no real gate. There was no construction people out there. And so the opening where the sheep could go in, how were they going to be safe from predators at night? And the shepherd himself would lay across the opening, and he himself was the door so that nobody could get in, nothing could get in, and steal his sheep and harm his little ones. And so he says, I am the door. I am the door. Nobody can get to you except by Jesus if you stay close to him. And so he is there for you. This is the season of the open door. Biblical New Year, 5784. Maybe you're going to have an open door. Maybe you're going to have one today. Maybe you're going to have one tomorrow. Be looking for an open door. According to your faith, be it unto you. See, if, you know, there might be an open door and you just walk right by it because you're not looking for what God is wanting to show you. So we need to keep our ears open and hear what he says, but we need to keep our eyes open so that we'll also know what's going on around us. I want to say this, Howard, and then I want to get you up here. Howard owned a company, and I think you still do, called Clean as a Whistle. And, you know, I have a sermon called Where are the Evangelists? Howard was a carpet evangelist because whatever he told me back 30 years ago, I am still doing. Technology may have changed. You told me some things to do and not do. I'm still repeating all that. If it's changed, I need to get the update. But like he was so passionate about what he did, I believed every word he said. And he was zealous for God all at the same time. And so he wrote a book called Monday Morning Christian. And in this book, he teaches you how to understand your identity so you can live out of your position instead of your condition. He wants to teach you how to lead others into a relationship with God instead of a religion about God. 
Have the success in business that God wants you to have. Respond to the challenges of business life God's way instead of the world's way. Find God's purpose for your life and have a tremendous impact in the marketplace for God. I talk a lot about we're all ministers, not just people behind a podium. And so ministers in the marketplace are very needed because sometimes the audience in the marketplace is a lot more people than we might get into this room. So Howard, we're just delighted you're here. Uh, he was just going to run by our service and just say hello to us, and I just got him to come and share with us too. So I tricked it. <laughs> Well, good morning. Wow. I didn't expect this when I got up this morning, but how many of you heard what Lena just said? You got to be ready, right? You got to be ready for what God has for you in season, out of season. All these years ago, I don't know, must have been in the 80s sometime, and this man, Easy Jones, who is bigger than life to me, again, I was maybe 20 23 when I started my business, or we started our business with my Italian wife, Denise Conjet, Antoinette Panella. Uh, that's Italian. She's from New Jersey. I'm from LA, lower Alabama. We've been married 39 years, been together 42 years. She still doesn't laugh at my jokes. I don't know if it's the delivery or the receiver. But, um, what I loved about Easy and Love You Houston was here are these, all these uh, godly men that love Jesus who were in business. And I had this little business, and of course, as Lena shared, she was one of our clients. I think he became a client after I started going to that. And um, what I always remember, because we've just been out of touch for so long, is that when I think about uh, Easy and Lena, I think about love. They always loved me. They always encouraged me. And I didn't, I, I thought to myself, you know, I've got this great business. I, I love helping people. I love serving people. But something happened when I came to know the Lord. Because I started the business with our wedding money, 19. Uh, 84, got saved in 1987, so it's probably around that time, 87, 88, 89, some, somewhere around in there when I met you guys. And I thought to myself, I need to get rid of this business because I need to be in full-time ministry. And God showed me something. I thought that making money was somehow wrong. I thought that, you know, giving my life to a business or to a job or a career or whatever was somehow wrong, that I needed to be in full-time ministry because I love Jesus. I mean, when I got saved, like, you could, not, you could not get anywhere close to anything that moved. I was preaching the gospel to it. Oh, that's not a person, but I'm still preaching, right? The problem was that I was preaching at people, and my wife being, again, Italian and pretty strong, uh, I chased her around with the Bible and telling her she needed to get saved, and you don't get saved, you go to hell, and... Uh, so my mentor told me, he said, you got the greatest message. There's no greater message than the gospel of Jesus Christ, but your delivery needs a lot of help. 
So my wife, after a while, she goes, you know, I may not know a lot about the Bible, but she said, I do know one thing. Jesus was a single man, and so if you want to be like him, that can be arranged. <laughs> then I remembered something that I heard one time, preach the gospel, and if necessary, when necessary, use words, right? So how many of you know that uh, it's not what you say, it's what you do? There's plenty of people out there, brother, 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 sister, sister, sister. Oh, Lord, have, you know, study the Bible all the time. But they don't actually love people. So Jesus said there's only two commandments in the whole Bible, right? What are they? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and body. And love your neighbor as yourself. And throughout Scripture... When scripture talks about love, and God basically says that when we love other people, we're loving him. When we love other people, we're loving him. And that business grew. I stayed in that business because I realized that that business was a perfect platform to minister. I learned that there's something called marketplace ministry. I wrote this book last year called uh, The Monday Morning Christian. That was not my idea. I've been writing books for several years now, 10, 12 years. I've published 12 books, I think. And my publisher said, I've always wanted to have someone write a book called The Monday Morning Christian, How to Live Out Your Faith at Work, right? Because everybody's talking about how you can't be an authentic believer at work because of all the wokeness and the corporate and all the stuff going on. That's not true. The truth is we just got to have a different perspective. We got to approach it differently because everybody around you is hungry for Jesus. They're not hungry for religion. They're not hungry for your religious talk. Christianity is not a religion, it's a faith. There's a difference. So I stayed in that business and it became a powerful ministry. I can't tell you how many of our employees at that company, we have about 34 employees. I can't tell you the number of people who have come to know the Lord and have a strong walk in the Lord today because of that. About 25 years ago, people wanted to know how I was building this business, and I got into coaching and training, and I realized that you can't coach someone to grow a phenomenal business without the question of life coming up. In fact, I teach business owners the one and only reason your business exists is to be a vehicle to help you achieve your life goals. And I have an acronym for life, living in freedom every day. There's no freedom in not knowing the Lord because he made you. So how are we going to, like Lena said, how are we going to do this on our own? We can't. But in him, you can do anything, right? Through him, you can do, he can do anything through you. That's a better way to, to put it. And so today we have coaching clients in 100 different industries in 20 different countries and Every program that we do, every webinar that we do, every book that I write, every 
everything that my coaching team does, it glorifies God because we know who we are and whose we are. But we don't do it in a religious way. And it is so refreshing to people. They can't get enough of it. And we're seeing people saved and delivered and set free and just just living the life that they're supposed to live. It's amazing. And so I'm so grateful that I got to write that book that my publisher asked me to do that. The first part of it is identity, and been a believer since uh, December of 1987. I've lost track of how many years that is, but 30-something years. I realized something, and that is that most Christians don't really know who they are. They don't really understand their identity in Christ. So I wrote a book in the last chapter of this book, through my own study, and I'm not a Bible scholar, through my own study, I found 73 scriptures that have to do with your identity in Christ. When you know who you are and whose you are, you understand your identity, then that's going to impact what you do or don't do. That's going to impact uh, what you believe you can do, or what God will do through you. Funny thing about this morning is Kirk and I are texting back and forth. I knew him way back then. What were you, 12 back then? And uh, so I have a lady who works for me that's uh, part of the Katy Christian Chamber of Commerce. And, you know, I travel a lot. And, and uh, she ran into Kirk over there. And we had lunch the other day. And he told me that that he goes to church here with uh, Easy and Lena, and I was like, oh, man, I talked to Easy. I don't know what it, if it was a year ago, six months ago, whatever. I got to go get over there and see him. And so we're texting back and forth. I'm getting ready and doing stuff around the house and stuff like that. I never saw the part of wanting me to speak. I was wondering why he asked me in that chain of text messages, is that a yes? And I thought, is it a yes that I'm coming? So I'm thinking to myself, this is the just God part about it, is I thought to myself, they'll probably ask me to say something. So I started praying about, you know, what, what do I need to share with y'all this morning? And then when I was looking up the actual address, the actual building, I saw that part. She wants you to speak. Then I really started praying, God, God, what, what? So I want to share something with you that has to do with your identity. When I started coaching other small businesses back in 1998, I wrote a bunch of manuals. I had products, I had CDs, DVDs, and things like that. I didn't really do coaching and training like I do today. So I called the company Phenomenal Products, and the more, uh, the more training and coaching and that kind of stuff we started doing, I thought, well, maybe that was a mistake to call my company Phenomenal Products because we don't have products <laughs> until my 
mentor, my early mentor, one of the wisest men that I know, Bill Beckham, he was my spiritual mentor. He's the one that told me you got the greatest message, but not the greatest delivery. And he helped me learn about business and stuff like that. And he came to my conference and he spoke to my audience and he said, Howard's products are phenomenal, but I'm here to tell you that you are the phenomenal product. And that's what I'm here to tell you today, is that you are phenomenal. God made you in his image. And the scripture says that you've been set free, you've been delivered, you've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of light. You've been forgiven. You don't have to hold on to any of that. You've been made a new creature. You're a new creature. The old has passed away. But as Lena said, the devil's always in your ear, right? Other people always in your ear, the accuser, the liar. You're set free. You're delivered from all that. You are a phenomenal product. Therefore, everywhere I go, I ask people, one of the things I learned through training with people like Zig Ziglar, and I helped his son Tom run that company. In fact, I was just there yesterday. I spoke. We have a certification course that I helped them create, and we had the 29th one, and I do about a half a day. I did about a half a day on Friday. They took me out for my birthday, uh, which was Friday. Catching up with you. Easy. <laughs> Just slow down so I can catch up, okay? I just want to look. What are you, 90? Look at this man. Do you want to look? Hold on. Do you want to look that good when you're 90? Yeah. That's just Jesus all over him. So I learned, one of the things that I learned is the power of calling someone by their name, Right? And, uh, in fact, Dale Carnegie says that the sweetest sound to any person in any language is the sound of their own name. So when I travel, when I fly, when I go to a restaurant, anywhere that I go, hotel, whatever, I'm always asking people what their name is. And the strangest thing is, is that when you just do that simple thing, try it today. When you do that simple thing, just recognize people by name, the waitress, whatever, pay attention to them ask them their name, you will automatically get better service. I promise you. They'll pay more attention to you. Now, that's not why we should do it. It's because, here we go, it opens a door. It opens a door because nobody else today is paying attention to them. Everybody else is, get me this, get me that, and you come along. But then you take it to another level. Mr. Ziegler, when he was with us here on earth, his favorite quote till the day he passed away, November 28, 2012, his favorite quote, his most famous quote is, you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what it is that they want. So when he was with us here on earth, I used to tease him and I said, you know, you stole that from Jesus. Because Jesus said, give, and it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, right? And he goes, oh, well, I know him personally, so that'll be all right. <laughs> he had such wit, you know? And uh, so after I asked him their name, 
I say, so what's your name, ma'am? Julia? Say, uh, Julia, what's your story? And they usually go like that, like, <laughs> all of it? It's a pretty long story. Well, I'm in no hurry. And so you take interest in people. You ask them questions about themselves. Then I asked a really important question, and that is, Julia, did you know that you are phenomenal? Look at that smile. Look at that smile. That's usually what they do. So you get all kinds of different responses like, well, uh, yeah, of course, you know, I'm this, I'm that. Well, that's not really the reason, but, uh, oh, I don't know about that, poor self-image. You get all kinds of responses, right? And so uh, then you say, Julia, do you know why you're phenomenal? Yes, because God made you that way. You're made in his image. In a few seconds, I'm already sharing the gospel. The door is wide open. And Jesus is right there in that doorway with us. And then you pray with them. And then I carry these little bracelets. I have these little rubber bracelets that say, I am phenomenal. And I give them a little bracelet. And I can't tell you how many clients I have that have been with me for years. I was with a guy in Las Vegas two weeks ago. I went up there to speak, and I have a friend who has a helicopter. You know you, you trust in Jesus when you go up in a helicopter with somebody who's not a commercial pilot. I'm just saying. It's like, God, if it's my time, no doors on it. You know, it's like, and somehow inside of me, I'm afraid of heights. I know that I, I'd like to get over that, but it's like, kill me quick, because... That's going to hurt, you know. Um, anyway, the guy that I was with, he's been with us for, I don't know, about three years. He's just, this man loves Jesus. Got a long white beard and, you know, just like, just loves Jesus. And I'm looking at his bracelet, and he has uh, one, of, we got four colors, and this one was red, and now it's pink. And I'm like, what happened to your bracelet? He said, I have not taken it off since the day I got it. And I said, well, here, here's a couple of new red ones, you know. And he's like, what, you don't like my pink, you know. <laughs> so um, the, the fact is, is that most of us, even believers, we don't know who we are. We don't understand. We don't understand. And I was always confused about one other thing. And I want to give Lena some, you guys get done about 1230, right? So give you the last five minutes. I'll just close with this. I'm sorry? Okay. All right. Um, I always wondered, you know, being in the training world and being around all these uh, new agers and people like that, I always thought to myself, how is it that these people are so positive and then you run into Christians who are like the biggest religious bigots you've ever 
I mean, seriously. They, they, they can't even, you know, like, and we walk around going, well, just can't wait till Jesus comes, and I just, you know, we're going to have eternal life. Glory to God, you know. I'm like, what about right now? Okay, look, God didn't create us just for us to sit around and suffer and let the devil slap us around so that one day we go to heaven and, and come back with him. He created us to have abundant life here on this earth today, right now, at lunchtime today. You don't know if that waiter or waitress is going to get saved today and be transferred into eternal life. And, and, and now she's got a place to go. He's got a place to go that, he, that can, he, can, he or she can be built up. But you know what? We won't even do that unless we know who we are, unless we understand our identity, because then it's just religion. It's just works. Faith is not only knowing who he is, but faith is knowing who he made us to be. That's my mission of the Monday morning Christian, that when we w wake up tomorrow, we don't have church. We got to go to work. We look at it and say, I get to go to work because that person right there that you didn't know it, but they were planning on committing suicide, but you were the one person that loved them, that encouraged them, that told them you are phenomenal. So I've always wondered about that. And, uh, my son is really into Watchman Nee and, um, I read this little book that Watchman Nee wrote that explained it to me. And it's called The Latent Power of the Soul. Are you familiar with that? The fact is, is that when Adam and Eve sinned, he didn't take their soul out. They, they, we're, we're all born, stillborn without a spirit, a dead spirit, right? But we still have our mind, will, and emotion, which is very powerful. And the truth is, is that you can do some very, very powerful things through your mind, will, and emotion. And people have figured that out. But what, they don't know what it is, so they're like, oh, I just tap into the universe. Well, guess what? If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you might do all those things, but all those things aren't going to help you, and they're not going to help anybody else. But understanding who we are in our spirit and walking in that, that's the key. And when you do that and you love people, He will do abundantly more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. If you told me that I'd be standing here experiencing the things that I'm experiencing here today, when y'all knew me back then, you probably did. You probably did. You probably told me, and I didn't even just hear it, you know? You have no idea what God wants to do through you. 
It's not you, it's not me, it's him in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20, let him live through you. I've been crucified with Christ. That's who you are. And he wants to use you every day. Not in a religious way. Not, oh, go study the Bible some more. Go to, you do that so that you can get built up. You, you go train so that you can be a better fighter and kick the devil in the head. That's why, you, you, that's why you read the Bible. That's why you pray. That's why you fellowship is so that you can walk by the Spirit. Yes or yes? Thank you for having me. Practical wisdom goes a long way, doesn't it? And you know, when he said, easy and lean to love people, really, you couldn't give us a higher compliment because you've got to care about people. Because if you don't, they feel that you don't. And they feel if you're just on their checklist that you need to witness somebody today. They feel, they know it. Some, you know, people can feel you. People know what's going on. So you got to be real and there can't be any mixture. I was in Columbia many years ago. The last time I went was probably like seven years ago, eight years ago. A young person walked in the room and somebody watched my eyes light up and they go, you really love these young people, don't you? And I go, oh, yes. I go, I love pouring into them. I love it that they're just like a blank slate and I can pour in and then God will have all these things for them to do. We were on a plane coming back from Georgia about a month ago and uh, Easy and I don't sit on the same row. We, wo we both want aisle seats. So he's on an aisle seat, and I'm on an aisle seat, and I have a guy next to me, and I don't even know how it came up. Something with, between me and the man next to me, who was probably mm, in his 50s, about my son's age, um, said something about God, and, and he goes, well, I'm sort of disappointed in God. I'm like, oh, so glad you said that. And, uh, <laughs> and see, what would you do? Would you get scared? Like, ooh, I can't talk about God now. No. See, that's your opportunity. Be ready when opportunity comes. So I just go, why are you disappointed? So I let him talk to me. I didn't, I didn't have to say, what's your story? But see, why are you disappointed? He began to tell me he had a 15-year-old son who died of cancer. I mean, I, I got tears in my eyes. I go, how long between the diagnosis and when he died? He told me, I said, my husband got healed of cancer, but I know that doesn't help you with your son. And I go, but God wants to help you now. And he goes, my wife left me during that time when my son was sick. I'm like, whoa, bam, bam, one, two punch, trying to take this guy. Nice guy. I go, where are you from? Homa, Louisiana. I go, I've spoken in Homa, Louisiana five times. So we started talking. We talked about God the entire flight. I sent him a copy of Easy's book. I've got his card. I'm going to be calling him real soon. God has opportunity for you everywhere you go. This is the season of the open door. You have a Zig Ziglar speaker who gave you some very practical ways to think. First, you got to know who you are, but then you can help somebody else be who God has created them to be. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord. We have that message where the evangelist, I'm going to be preaching it pretty soon, but, Lord, everyone in this room is an evangelist. They can be an evangelist for you if they just tell somebody about you. But so, Father, help us know who we are. Help us be confident in what, who you've created us to be. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to be like anybody else. We can be who you have created us to be in the place that you have put us. And so, Father, I just thank you for that. I thank you to open doors this week. 
Open doors this week. We will be mindful. We will keep our eyes open. We will watch for people who need a touch from you and know that you're going to use our hand to do it. So, Father, I praise you, and I thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice, and I thank you for testimonies next week of what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.